Howdy, folks. Before we start this session of Bebop Tabletop, we just want to say thanks to all our listeners, Twitter followers, and everyone who supported us along the journey. If you like what you've been hearing, please subscribe to the podcast and leave us a review on your listening app of choice. It would help us out more than a sack full of oolongs. Now, hit it. Three, two, one. This is Bebop Tabletop, the podcast that's turning each episode of Cowboy Bebop into a tabletop RPG. I'm Michael Janoff. I'm Lee Jo John. I'm Andrew Wu. And together, we're remixing the characters, music, and themes into a game you can play. Let's jam. Hello, cool baby hipsters! Welcome to Bebop Tabletop Session 6, Sympathy for the Devil. Please allow me to introduce myself. I'm a man named Andrew Wu. Pleased to meet you are Michael and Lijo. Gentlemen, what's the nature of your game? Uh, zebra. <laughs> yeah. I'm a zebra today. <laughs> Apparently we're all zoo animals. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Why is everybody named after an animal in this episode? <laughs> I thought that was strange. That They're hunters and yet they're named after prey animals. That seems like an odd mm. choice. Oh, so maybe, maybe they were actually like the good guys this whole time. Maybe that was the clue that we all needed to figure out this mystery. <laughs> I mean, maybe it could also be code names for these raiders, for, but that's a whole different plot device. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, I guess let's just jump straight into a summary. Spike and Jet track a bounty named Giraffe worth three million Wulongs, who inconveniently falls out of a building onto Spike's ship. He gives Spike a mysterious crystal and leads them to a blues harmonica prodigy and a man in a wheelchair. Soon, they discover that the boy, Wen, is much older than he appears, and that the hyperspace gate explosion has made him immortal. Despite not understanding the theory, Spike goes and shoots the boy with a crystal bullet. Wen ages rapidly and dies, finally at peace. Uh, One of the things I want to talk about kind of before this episode starts, right, is that the last time we saw Spike, he was in a full-body cast, his... uh, like, everything was broken. He had fallen out of a cathedral that exploded on him. He's fine this week, right? He, he he seemed to have woken up with some, like, repressed memories. But otherwise, perfectly fine. Nothing was broken. I mean, a few bandages and a long nap. It'll, it'll fix you up every time. In this episode, Bebop introduces uh, how long rests work. <laughs> <laughs> just, just sleep it off. Eight hours, you're fine. Yeah. <laughs> Get all your spell slots back. What else this week? There were, like, we were talking about this a little bit beforehand, how mechanically, like, like most of the things that happened in this episode are things that we've kind of seen before. A lot of kind of world-building things happened. We are still probably in a phase where we're talking about structure of this game, so those things aren't super relevant to where we're going yet, right? I wouldn't say that it's irrelevant, but I would imagine that you need to have more of a skeleton to start talking about the minutia uh, of the world. And, you know, obviously they kind of introduced effectively magic into this uh, sci-fi setting, uh, mm-hmm. which is with the whole immortality, astral gate, uh, hullabaloo. But, you know, I think, again, a little bit complex to jump straight there when you, you know, you are just beginning. Right, we haven't even begun to talk about not magic yet, and and we've already we're introducing kind of immortal space wizards, I suppose. Uh, we also introduced dream reading. Did, did you guys catch that? The, the alpha catch. Alpha, the alpha catch. Yes, 
this thing that you could just hook your brain up to, and now what was it? it was zebra, right? We could see his memories. Poor guy. Yeah, it's clearly traumatic going through those memories through the alpha catch too. <laughs> yeah, we just saw the tear falling. Zebra <laughs> lives, right? Zebra's alive at the at the end of this episode. Yeah, I mean, technically alive, but uh, I mean, catatonic almost. It's hard to say what exactly his limitations are. He he's able to cry and think at least. <laughs> yeah, we never really saw him in any other state, <laughs> so mm-hmm. un, un, unclear what, uh, I think, uh, when uh, the child uh, mm-hmm. said that this was the, the third uh, yeah. wheelchair he person. Said, he says the third, I think. Like, he uh-huh. doesn't even remember. <laughs> yeah. I mean, to be fair, if you're... Uh, do, do we have a timeline? Do we know how long, how long ago the Astral Gate explosion was? If I remember right, the Astral Gate explodes in 2071, which the Netflix show, I think, accelerated by 100 years, 2171. Mm. This show takes place, I don't remember, 100, so vague plot things that I remember now, spoilers, I guess, for the future that I vaguely remember suddenly. Uh, this takes place about 100 or 200 years into the future from that, if mm. I remember right, or or like a whole lifetime has passed, right? At the uh, at the bare minimum, it's uh, thirty years. Um, yeah. From because the because of the newspaper photo they saw was from thirty years ago. But uh, I don't think they fully say exactly what the the time frame is. Actually, so if I remember right, too, so th- those three old men that we haven't seen in a couple weeks now uh, <laughs> helped build that gate. So I guess that's about the time frame, right? Mm. That it, it's about one lifetime. That since we've created these gates, sure. That, that makes the kid seem a lot less old now. <laughs> I guess that's why he has to be a little kid, right? Yeah. I like guess it's the only only thing that the only thing that makes it obvious that he shouldn't be that way. You know, minus you know surviving a bullet to the head, blowing up in a taxi, and oh, that that moment also. That was I, like, I, <laughs> I, I I out loud gasped when he just shot the guy in the taxi and just took it. I, I, I wasn't expect like I knew that was he was a bad guy, but I don't know. That still shocked me for some reason. He's jaded. <laughs> Life, it's fine. And then later, uh, was he got uh, shot off the road, careened into a gas station, which blew up. <laughs> <laughs> yep, and he's fine. He's fine. No problem. He's fine. <laughs> he looked down the barrel of a gun. <laughs> Except not that one. Right. Yeah. One magic bullet. I call it a magic bullet in my notes. Yeah, you always have to get worried when someone uh, starts bringing the elephant gun. Something's up. <laughs> also, just incredibly confident in his shot when you you plan for one bullet and one shot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there was no backup plan there. Oh, I love that the whole crew, like there wasn't the the, the rest of the crew didn't do too much in this episode, right? Uh, Jet did a little bit uh, with his friend Fatty, right? Uh, but and did uh, ran an analysis on the magic analysis machine that we've seen before as well. Otherwise, uh, they all one of the, one of the biggest moments with all crew together was when they all were saying goodbye to Spike. It's like I don't think you're gonna make it. I don't think you're coming back. Like I I, I love that kind of just like well see you forever <laughs> like see you never again. <laughs> Somehow both uh, sweet but also like sociopathic uh, <laughs> when you when you consider what's happening, but. I mean, uh, yeah, this was one of the more dangerous outings for Spike so far. All for no reward. Hmm. <laughs> is this... This is every week, right? We've not collected a single reward. Nope. At least on screen. 
I mean, they must be making just enough to survive, but when Faye is eating uh, dog food at the beginning, it's, <laughs> it's not going so well. Faye's eating dog food. Uh, Ayn is not, which is great. And Jet charges her with an invoice, right? So that's that's a thing. <laughs> they They still owe bills somehow. They're still paying bills somehow. Put it on the card. <laughs> that I'm writing that down in our universe notes. Uh, credit is easy. Credit is easy. Paying it off is a suggestion. <laughs> Pay it off with more debt. Right. <laughs> it sounds more like reality. <laughs> so what are we talking about this week? We're uh, what, what do we roll in here? What uh, what kind of dice are we rolling? What what do these numbers mean? Ah, ah. We don't have too much to bite on in the episode. We're gonna we're gonna start talking about what our yeah what our system starts to look like. Well, as as is uh, as our spiritual scriptures say, that the gods gave us seven dice, and we must use all of them all. <laughs> <laughs> so one one of the things that I wanted to talk about right was how we 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 talked several episodes ago, several sessions ago about how conflict should be a series of like motivation trackers moving up right this idea that each of each party involved in a conflict is moving towards some goal and how they're moving towards it is by accomplishing actions right in my uh, the notes that I'm starting to write up I, I gave these all musical terms I don't what was it like a gig a job a uh, they're all punny it, it's gonna be great uh, we'll figure them out for sure at some point the concept that I had while writing this up was that I want conflict to accelerate, right? Uh, I know we've talked about it uh, on and off, how Cowboy Bebop is not really a crunchy kind of universe, right? We never really, we talk vaguely about fuel. We talk vaguely about hunger. We talk vaguely about how good you are in combat. But but none of these things really come down to hard numbers, right? At least on TV, on show, right? They, they're they all kind of a sense of cool, a sense of speed, a sense of smoothness, right? So one of the things that I kind of want to see in combat is that it's fast and it's cool, right? I, I don't want uh, many, like, let's plays of Dungeons and Dragons, many let's plays of other systems as well, once you get to the combat parts, they're always kind of draggy to me. Like, whenever I watch somebody play, it, it's always like, well, yeah. The, and, and even when we play, when we actually play, uh, we spend four hours in a session. And if there is one encounter or if there's one encounter that's typical, if there's two, that's kind of a miracle, right? Because it's just going to take up all of that time. I don't think Cowboy Bebop should be played that way. So one of the things I was thinking in our system is that speed might be what we're aiming for. Rhythm might be what we're aiming for. Conflict should happen quickly. Yeah, no, I get it. It's, um, the, the accelerate, an accelerating pace would be interesting, but inherently there needs to be some structure to it, correct? Uh, we can't have being completely free from is probably not the, the aim of the, the game here. You know, you, you want some some rules, some grounding so that your players aren't going full-on willy-nilly, you know, running in space. Well, of course, yeah, where where there will be a structure to these things. Mm. But the sense of speed, I think, is important. Yeah, I think I think we've had, you know, we're talking about filling up gauges 
Um, and two, we've discussed having uh, almost uh, a asynchronous, I don't know if you remember this, asynchronous mm -hmm. events that happen um, that fill up that, you know, fill up those gauges uh, in the same action sequence. Um, you know, you have your, you know, one or two characters in the spotlight, but you have your, your jet or your, you have your jet, you know, running, I don't know, technology stuff on the ship or doing research mm -hmm. stuff ahead of time. All of that can happen at the same time in the same event, you know, after a fashion, you know, the, you know, the, someone set up in a different part of the, of a chase mm -hmm. scene, you know, when when that time comes, you see you know, that that person starts to become engaged, and you start to see how that resolves, and how does that affect how does that affect the tracker? Right. Even in this episode, uh, one example is when Giraffe goes to confront uh, Wen and Zebra in the hotel room or whatever that room in the high rise was. Right. That was an event that was happening simultaneous to Spike flying. Like, essentially, those are two different trackers happening. Spike is tracking Giraffe. Giraffe is tracking Zebra. Right. Uh, this is a weird, like, hunter-prey thing going on again, <laughs> right? Uh, but those are events that are happening simultaneously, but one resolved before the other. And now we've kind of, we can combine those two things, right, into another... Oh, Spike has to catch him with his ship now, right? So, so here, here's a here's a concept then too. Um, we're talking about gauges. What what is a gauge? You know, mm. what 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 does that mean? Um, you know, th throwing out throwing out just a few ideas or examples. You know, is what 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 is engaging or interesting or fun to to use? Mm -hmm. And you know, one approach that let's say I don't. Uh, w one approach is, is the paper approach. Um, mm -hmm. You know, we see this in any any action game with like health points. You know, your your D and D or mm -hmm. anything with combat or you know what have you. And, you know, someone writes down a piece of uh, a, a, behind the screen what what the number is, and that number goes up or down. You know, it starts from zero to go up to a number, or it starts from the number and goes down depending on you know the actions of the players or what have you. Um, that's one approach. Another is um, you know we could we can even take take a note from you know, card playing games like Magic the Gathering mm -hmm. and use like a spin down counter. So you have a 20 sided die and that's what you're using to track things. Um, mm -hmm. You know, something physically on the table that you can either. And again, we're talking about spinning down. We can always spin up. And, you know, if, you know, if we're talking about using all of our seven po lovely seven polyhedral die, uh, the challenge of the event could be how many sides of dice the dice has. Mm. I was thinking about that in a sense of how to accelerate the pace or to create uh, more, if not necessarily excitement, but more uh, interaction. I was thinking maybe in, instead of instead of counting down per se, we would just change the dice for for certain goals. So, like, I was thinking, you know, in a in a round of combat, uh, maybe you start off with a twenty sided dice. So, you know, one to twenty. If you succeed, you move on to the next set and you move down to a d twelve. And then the next time you move down to a D10, then uh, the 8, then the 6, then the 4, where the the margin of error and victory become closer and closer together, uh, where you're taking bigger and bigger risks. I don't know. Mm. I'm not fully uh, – I haven't fully fleshed that idea out, but I think some sort of evolving, either forward or backwards, uh, some sort of evolving feature would help create more excitement than – 
the traditional, I hit it with my broadsword and it loses 10 HP. And now I'm going to wait here. Would that be like, hey, like this is a die we're rolling? Like, so there's a random outcome for, like, like our encounter is currently a, in, in this hypothetical system, right? Our encounter is currently at a D12. Yes. So now I'm rolling a D12. And if I succeed, like, let's say I hit that 12 or I hit a one, right? Yeah. One, one way or the other, that's a success. And then it shifts to the next. So, like, that would be. If I'm, I'm thinking of now the Hakim chase in the second episode, right? Mm. Where, okay, now I'm we're chasing each other down the street. Hakim rolls; he's on a D12. He rolls that 12, and that means that he successfully blocks Spike in some way. Right? Mm. Would, would that be the, what you're thinking of? Yeah, I would, and then now he's on a now he'd be onto a D. The D10 the would be the D, next one. Yeah, D10. Yeah, yeah, and then interesting. Yep, and then from there. Uh, you know, either he, you know, again, these, these checks, you, you, the GM are probably going to have to adjudicate, you know, in terms of difficulty. So inherently a D20, if you set a, you know, 15, that's a pretty difficult task. Uh, but once you move down to a D12, you don't have, uh, that much of a range. So you, you choose like an eight, but that's still, you know, uh, you, that may, that may or may not, you know, be the case if you keep succeeding or you keep failing uh the the problem become bigger the the probability of you failing or succeeding grow higher and higher basically is my my mm-hmm. thought uh it, it's going to crash one way or another but i'm not quite there yet and i obviously i don't want to you know commandeer the idea but mm-hmm. that is currently my thought process that that, that is interesting i i think you know, we can, I mean, we can work with that as, you know, as, as a concept too, and just kind of bounce that around for a while and see where that goes. Um, you know, on the, on the concept of, of difficulty, you know, we, we have, a, there, there are a few ways to, well, there are always several ways to, to handle, you know, what a dice means or how good uh, the character is at a thing. Um, I think a common one is, uh, you know, we, we don't have to necessarily use a, you know, like a like a difficulty counter. You know, a DC mm-hmm. counter. We don't have to use a DC because, frankly, it's usually pretty arbitrary anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, and if our system is fairly crunchy, then, uh, you know, we we are fairly not crunchy, then we can get away with something maybe a little lighter. So one one suggestion maybe is maybe a character has some some trait, and. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, it's 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 a number. You don't know what this means yet. But let's let's just call it a percentage at this point. Um, mm-hmm. And let's say they're sixty percent, you know, sixty percent good at the thing, which is considered mm-hmm. to be pretty good at the thing. Then, if whatever dice they roll, if they roll again, work in progress. If they roll under that sixty percent, then it's successful. Mm-hmm. Um, otherwise, it's not. And maybe the difficulty of the task at hand um, affects what happens during a failure. So maybe if it's a very difficult score, a very difficult thing to do, a failure means going back up to the next dice. And if it's not too hard, then maybe a failure just means the thing didn't happen. And then there are also uh, RPG systems that have a graduated success failure sort of, uh, you know, resolution where you can, you can, you can, I think uh, Powered by the Apocalypse does it by, uh, if you roll a certain amount, it's a success. If you roll between this and this, it's a mixed success, and then below this is a failure. And so hmm. you, the GM, get to have, you know decide. Well, they they rolled a mixed success, so I'm going to give them this, but this happens. Uh, where so that they don't necessarily have to 
just go straight from success to failure, which can be heavy-handed sometimes. Right. Yeah. One one of the ways, so this might be, this might work together with this, but one of the ways I was thinking of encounters was more more narratively, right? So we asked... Uh, what is a what is a uh, track, right? What is what is a conflict track? I guess I don't remember if we had a phrase for this yet. Uh, but in my head, a conflict track is is the exit scenario, is the exit goal, right? Like each track is one party's goal, right? And it goes from zero, right? Everybody starts. Well, maybe not necessarily, but like, let's say. In a, if we're entering into a scenario, in, into a conflict completely empty, everybody starts at zero, and the difficulty of that, the difficulty of that track, is, you know, an arbitrary number. It's like okay, it's it's hundred difficult, it's fifty difficult, it, it's HP at this point, right? And to me, the one of the one of the thoughts I had was that, you know, like think of these things as plot points, or think of these things as a piece of narrative, right? It's uh, again to reference the second episode. It's Ein escaping Hakim, right? Like, so how difficult is that in the city scenario? Well, let's say, let's say it's fifty, right? I don't know. It's an arbitrary number again. Maybe there's a better way to determine. But like, if if Ein Ein gets to roll every turn of combat, whatever that means, right? Every turn of conflict, and Eventually, right, Ein's number will fill to 50, and if it hits 50, he escapes, unless somebody else's conflict track fills first, unless Hakim's conflict track hits 50 first, or hits, maybe his number is 75 instead, right? Like, maybe his is more difficult, right? Maybe, and he's also rolling, right? Every party involved in this conflict is also generating points, right? Uh, In my head, like, things, like, I kind of want to... I want to. I always want to reward a player for doing something creative or interesting, right? And to me, one way we could do that is by bumping up their die, right? So in the, in this kind of system, it would be like, hey, you're good at this but not great, so you start with a d6, right? If you're terrible at this, you start with a d4, right? If you're great at this, you start with a d8, right? And then as your combat, as your conflict continues, you know, you roll your die, and whatever you get fills up your party's meter fills up your 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 getting closer to your goal. And then if you do something really, really cool, or you if if you you know you hacked into some system so so your spike guy that's running along the roads can find a shortcut, right? You hacked a map so you could see a, an easier way to get through uh, a parade that's going on. I don't know what show I'm making up, but it, I, I'm liking it so far. Uh, <laughs> like by by doing that, you've helped out your friend. So now your friend gets one dice bumped higher, right? We're And this way, you know, that 50 doesn't seem so far away anymore because your rolling is better and better. At some point, you know, you might get that, you know, that magic golden rock of a D20. And, you know, you roll that crit 20 right when you're... Oh, I love this idea. This is, this is something that... I don't know if we can construct these, but this idea that, you know, we may, you know, my party and your party may both accomplish their goals at the same time. Right, just because our rolls keep accelerating, keep getting higher and higher, but maybe I rolled a little higher. You know, it's like a board game where, yeah, we we've ended the game at the same time, but now we're counting up our points, and whoever get the higher points, 
wins, <laughs> right? Um, I, like, I guess, like, if, if the two goals are absolutely opposed to each other, then yes, they, it's a straight win. But if it's not, if there are, uh, again, Ayn escapes Hakim, Hakim loses, but uh, Spike and the gang also lose Hakim, right? They don't get to collect that bounty. And that's because Ayn rolled perfectly, right? He, he, hit his, he hit his difficulty meters just fine, got out of there. Uh, Spike failed, Hakim failed, <laughs> right? Or maybe Spike just crossed that line but under, but Hakim failed so hard that he's out. Right. I think you and I are on the same same page uh, about the dice and the difficulty counter. I I, I agree. I think go, going up from from low from a D four, going up to the uh, Magic D twenty Math Rock, um, that 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 is that sense of acceleration that you were talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, co- commentary about about that later, but the. Um, to, to kind of expand on your idea a little bit too, that, that that could be, you know, if we're simplifying things and if we're not a very, if we're not doing modifier, let, let, let's propose for a minute that we're not doing mm-hmm. modifiers and we're uh, mm-hmm. not having like, you know, add five to your role, subtract 10 to your role, you know, whatever. Maybe skill is, like you say, maybe skill is the dice you start at in an encounter mm-hmm. uh, if, if, you're, if you're doing that specific thing. And I, I think I think there's a there's a there's a, there could be a nuance to that, you know what happens if you change skills partway through, um, mm. but maybe you know maybe w- when you do a skill you have a a base dice that you start with, and mm. then as you're going you get you just get an acceleration. So mm. you know like uh, you start your your hacking you're good you're good at hacking so you start the encounter at d8 and. You know, let's propose what, for whatever reason you go up. You you go up the next acceleration track, so then you get to a D10. But now you want to do flying, and you're D4 at flying, but you're up one, so you go to D6. Mm. You know, so, so something like that. And and then difficulty of an encounter. You know, we could do the difficulty track. That's one. Uh, that that is the uh, the uh, the bloated HP approach. Mm-hmm. Or and you can do. Um, uh, a, a dice modifier, so you can you could ping down one dice at the start for everyone. Yes. How do you mean? So if normally you're D8 attacking, but the challenge is one, or the challenge is mm. two, let's say one is default. Challenge is two. Well, yeah, let's say challenge default is zero. Just make it make it easy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and challenge is one. Well, instead of starting with eight, you start with six. Okay. And four four is the floor. Right or D two or well, we, oh yeah we we, we introduced some coin flips yeah <laughs> one of the thoughts I had just in this discussion was one something we'll have to figure out right is the the amount of influence your game master has on difficulty check right in in D and D and you know I'm I'm not really sure actually. In D and D, it's it's incredibly arbitrary, right? Like, uh, the party asks, "I would like to pick this lock," and the game master, the dungeon master, based on, well, how much do I need them to go investigate before they open this door that opens to the big bad, says, "Well, it is a twenty difficulty, right? It's a twenty DC to open this door." You know, I, I guess that's the thing. We we still want to make sure that the the game master has that power to create interesting scenarios, right? We don't want the players to randomly have a bad time. <laughs> that happens too. 
<laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, there's always the there's always the rule that or not a rule, but there's always kind of the implied uh, if it's if something if you don't want your pay, your players to do something, don't let them roll for it. If you want mm. them to do something, if you absolutely need them to do something, don't let them roll for it because it <laughs> needs to be done. Giving them the illusion of failure or success is just as bad, you know? You <laughs> Just let them do it if you need them to do it or not. You know, just shut it down. It's, just, it's like, just keep throwing. We just keep giving them more and more lockpicks just because just we needed them to open this door. Please open this door. Please, one of you. Just roll that 10, please. <laughs> Well, that's that's when that's when the, you get the fail and the the door handle breaks and opens anyway very loudly. <laughs> yeah, I mean, th- there's other, you know, th- there's other ways we can modify these these roles, and you know, if we're if we're trying to fill up a counter, like if that that is the primary, if if we're if, if our goal is to make number go big, um, mm. then rolling a one no matter what dice you're rolling on is bad not because mm-hmm. you failed but because you've like the you're doing the, your minimum effort to fill this gauge right yeah mm-hmm. the the action is always going forward like mm-hmm. we're never you know we're never getting to that door with it with this approach we're never getting to that door and going ah game's over we have to go home we can't pick the lock <laughs> right like it's always a oh i didn't do very well but things move on like mm-hmm. the the other the other guy the the NPC the 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 baddie that you're chasing, you know maybe they did poorly too, but they're still moving on. Or maybe they did great and you did poorly, and now that gap is a lot wider. Right. Yeah. I, I like that this ends up being a relative scale. Right. It, it's it's a race. It's no longer like an absolute like yeah. It's a race. Like this is a race system. Actually, uh weird. I I've just realized this dice acceleration idea is from a racing game like it is uh, <laughs> what was it For- formula day formula okay. day is a old i don't old it's like early 2000s i've never played it uh it, it's uh, I, all i remember is that shifting gears in that game is changing dice hilarious <laughs> mm-hmm. i i do like i do like this whole filling meters concept um but <laughs> what Mike just said, uh, based on um, uh, the whole widening gaps, I feel like there should be a way. There should be a way to close that gap. And I was thinking, maybe mm. this is where we'd use the concept of a gambit. Could we possibly? <laughs> yeah. Could we? Yes, yes, yes. Could we gamble some of our meter? Ooh. So that's if, juicy. Um, <laughs> if 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 you need to if you need to get to fifty and they're already at forty five and you're at twenty five, why not make a crazy gambit that bets all of it? It's an all-or-nothing mm. motive. Ooh. Oh, I love that. I love that. <laughs> um, I'm again. I need. I, I'm not. It's not fully fleshed out, but the idea, like some sort of, you know, just uh, not quite pure chaos, but mm-hmm. um, just a high-risk, high-reward play, right? Yes. So, yeah. and I think that at least um, it gives you some sort of comeback mechanic if your if your quarry is getting away from you. Right, it, it could be the basis for bottoming out as well. Absolutely, right? like we, we we bet it all and we lost it all. <laughs> so now we're you know we're floating in orbit, right, waiting for somebody to rescue us. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, I love that idea. Uh, that feels very bebop. Very right? thematic. That feels very right. Yeah. Yes. 
that as a party, we must. I mean, like, so in, in this week's episode, right? I mean, it's weird, right? This episode was weird still. We, we talked about this a little bit where it's not really the party betting at all. And we don't really know why Spike is motivated to go and end this child, <laughs> right? <laughs> but, but like, that, that was a moment, right? That was a moment where he's saying, well, gamble it all. I'm going out there, shoot this kid, <laughs> right? I mean, characteristically, Spike has always had, like, sympathy for the bad guys. He's had... He the devil? Yes, sympathy. He's always had sympathy for the devil. He's, I mean, even with Asimov, like, the guy was suffering in the bathroom, and he, he was chill about it. He was cool with Asimov's girlfriend, and just down the road, he is... This is a job for him, but he is... I mean, he's human, uh, for all intents and purposes, right? So, hmm. uh, I mean, for some reason, some of these guys really connect with him. And sometimes they don't. Like, with... Uh, you know, when trying to explain that he felt at ease that he was about to die. And uh, he's like, do you understand? And Spike was like, no, I don't get As it. As if. <laughs> As if, right? <laughs> I, uh, I want to chat. Maybe maybe we can talk about this more at another episode. But uh, I, I, I like the concept of gambits being character specific. Mm. Like, you know, we started talking about stats a little bit. Like, hey, like maybe, uh, you know, well, we haven't started. Well, eventually, we'll start talking about stats. Right, but, yeah. um, you know, if, if we've got, you know, some something, you know, I said we're good at hacking. We started a D8. Um, maybe mm-hmm. there's some threshold of a skill where you start, you know, getting uh, gambits. So, you know, at that mm-hmm. point, you can, you have the skills to be able to make these part- particularly risky plays. Mm-hmm. In, um, I, I think I brought this up in, in one of the one of these sessions. But I think the Cortex system generalizes that entirely with the plot tokens, like this idea that, oh, you can do a cool thing just because you've got. And, and I think they label them out on character sheets, but they're also pretty general in that, like, oh, if you've got a plot token, you can kind of, you know, do a thing real easily. Right. And, and, you know, that's because that game is much more plot driven. Right. It's much more it's based on. Well, I mean, I guess it's based on TV shows also, but it's much more. Hey, let's get through the story with doing cool character things, right? I think we're probably looking for something more in between, right? Something that's a little more, yeah, like you know, when we when we're introduced to Ed in I don't know, like seven episodes or something, like three episodes, I think, from here, <laughs> uh, when we're introduced to like when Ed takes over being the tech guy, right? Uh, when when Jet becomes more the muscle, I guess. I don't remember what happens to Jet beyond that point, actually. <laughs> uh, when they specialize a bit, right? That those are more interesting gambits, right? Those are more interesting skills. I just want to reward players for doing goofy things, right? <laughs> I think that that's a big point to me. I think, yeah, inherently, I the reason I was thinking about the gambits is because uh, one of the things that, as a as a G, as a as a DM, uh, one of the things that kind of kind of bores me is uh, when the party spends a half hour planning. A, uh, their next step and they have all of these ideas and all of this planned out but you as the DM know that uh, y- one bad roll ruins their entire plan and you f- <laughs> and you feel a little bad about it but like yeah why did you bring your paladin to be the sneaky guy he is going to roll a two on his stealth that's just how, hap- how it happens 
Uh, Michael, for reference, this happened yesterday in a <laughs> of course. game we played on stream. So, <laughs> so like I, I don't, I, I think high risk, high reward is always much more interesting in terms of, of yep. in terms of gameplay. Uh, not not saying that you can't plan, and even with these uh, with these encounters, I imagine you can plan before it gets it there. Um, mm. So. Uh, it's always, it's always, I mean, there's always an option, right? To be, to be tactical, if that's what you want to do. Yeah, I like, I like the concept of, 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 uh, of, of gambling. I mean, there's been lots of gambling in this Mm -hmm. show. And, you know, talk about, like, what can you gamble? Like, what, what are Mm -hmm. at stakes? And, um, you know, we talked about gambling meters, but you could, I mean, mm-hmm. meter at this point is also, I mean, that may, meter becomes a resource, a spendable resource, mm-hmm. much like, yeah. you know, I'm proposing characters have some, you know, you know, bodily stuff at risk. So, you know, that's something mm-hmm. else you could gamble, um, uh, you know, yeah, we, cash or had... weapons or. Uh, there, yeah, there's a lot of. Uh, in-universe body parts missing, right? Uh, in this episode, we we see that uh, we're hinted at that Spike is missing an eye. Uh, we know that Jet is missing a, an arm, right? Like, like this is part of the world. You might lose that arm. <laughs> Long rest will fix that right up. <laughs> it, I don't. It, I mean, it gets you a robot arm, I guess. <laughs> you, you you buy it with the money that you don't have. <laughs> it's a great. It's a great bank uh, credit system. This is why they never have beef. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I think I think we have a concept that we can play with. Yeah. Uh, I I think it might be time to start writing some of this stuff down. <laughs> <laughs> what? Oh wait, I was supposed to write. <laughs> <laughs> you guys are writing stuff down. Not with my voice. Uh, that's what this podcast is for, right? <laughs> like it's for it's for recording our thoughts. Someone else write this down, please. Yeah, uh, taking we're, we're going back to oral histories. You have to yeah. <laughs> you'll have to listen to the entirety of this podcast, and then you get to recite the rules to your players. That's how it goes. Right. <laughs> it's going to be a twenty six hour long teach. Uh, it's going to be. I, I mean, I've played games with worse. I've played you know <laughs> games that are like, oh, I still don't understand. <laughs> it's part of the. Part of the process, yeah. Part of the experience. Uh, no, but yeah, I think that's a it's a it's an interesting concept we've got here. I, I think yeah, our our theme of accelerating conflict, making sure conflict is smooth and fast. Again, like we we'll never know until we start playing with these things, right? But this feels right, right? Tentatively, this feels like a. I know we just came up with it in the last 20 minutes or so, but like it feels like something that accomplishes those goals. There's definitely there's definitely going to be need a uh, need for tweaks and uh mm-hmm. you know, maybe the kind of possibilities of, you know, opening up with the gambit, but I mean that's uh that's 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 for the future, right? We got time for that. Yeah. yeah. 20 more episodes to go. I I think I think one one, you know, opening up with the gambit or I think uh you know, kind of Having this gauge system kind of encourages it not to end right away. Mm-hmm. Yeah. One of the one of the things we might run into is 
what happens if everyone does poorly? <laughs> you know, no gauges, no gauges advance. And and to be fair, that can also happen. Right. In, yeah. Uh, the argu- I guess the argument is, should there be a world gauge? If you're both doing very poorly, the world's going to move on without you. You know, should there be a timer on these? Mm. Probably. Right? Yeah. <laughs> but I, again, this is uh, uh, this is going to need a little bit of work. Cool. Uh, I guess let's stop there for this week, right? And and do some work offline, maybe? But we'll definitely come back to this uh, in the next few weeks, I'm sure. Yeah, is there anything else about this week or this episode that you want to talk on before we head on to the next one? I like science time with Jet. Yeah. <laughs> we learned why it's not magic. It's science. And and Spike's entire dismissive, like, yeah, sure, I guess. <laughs> as if, right? Yeah, as, as we know, it's basic high school physics. <laughs> uh I was just saying, this is also might be the first time Spike did the air the air gun, like he, the where he, he points a gun and yells or and says "bang" at the very end. Oh, I think so. Yeah, he did do that. It's also it also might be the first time the swordfish used machine guns. Like we actually focus on oh, yeah. bullets being shot out of the out of the ship. She's like lasers, right? It's like that big laser cannon underneath. Yeah. Huh. All right. Uh, one thing I really like, so I, again, when I go through these episodes, I write down quotes that I like. Um, one that seems to be the whole theme for this whole thing, if you don't work, you don't eat, is what Faye says to Ein. <laughs> and I feel like that is a nice crew, cohesive kind of quote <laughs> that defines what your crew is like. <laughs> oh, I was going to say, I thought the I thought the quote of the day was, do you understand? <laughs> <laughs> Another one is also men are such total idiots. It's true. I was just thinking about the uh, just you know what she's referring to is when Jet says uh, betrayal uh, comes easily, it may come easily to women, but men have an ironclad code of honor. And she's like, you really believe that? I was like, uh, I'm really trying to, really? <laughs> or I'm trying to really hard, really hard. Yeah, <laughs> that delivery is so good. <laughs> All right. Well, with that. We will wrap up Sympathy for the Devil. I've grown some sympathy, and I now feel more like a devil. Next week, we're going to talk about Heavy Metal Queen, so maybe we're going to worry about space logistics. I'm not really sure, so stay tuned next week. Yeah, as if. See you later, space cowboys. Ooh. <laughs> Can't stop now. thanks for listening if you've got questions suggestions or if you're starting your own bebop tabletop session you can reach us on twitter at bebop tabletop if you don't want your players to do something don't let them roll for it if you want them to do something don't let them roll for it